Welcome to the Modern Yogi Podcast. An exploration of ancient wisdom. Hello, 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 everyone. We're back, our virtual fam bam, reunited. What, what episode is this? 13. 13. I know, this is great. Lucky number 13. All right. And if you like our podcast, please, please, please subscribe to us and follow us on Instagram at the modern. No, oh, no I keep no, saying no. that. No, the. That's good for our audience to know. No, modern the. yogi podcast. At modern yogi podcast. Beautiful. Yes. Right. If you have any Stay questions, connected. if you have any questions, please DM us. We would love to hear what your thoughts are. If you have any feedback, anything in general, we'd like to hear from you. So love it. Check us out. All right. Thanks, Priya. So we're still in chapter two, which is like the longest one of the Gita. But my favorite one. Oh, summarized. Yes. <laughs> Contents of the Gita summarized, but it is my favorite one. And we are on chapter two, text number 51. All right, what's so happened what so far? The, yeah, what's been going on? So, well, we're talking a little bit about bhakti yoga and doing... Uh, right, we had just introduced this concept of bhakti yoga. Yes, we did. Um, so t- can you tell us something about it, Shamali? Basically, it is service in pure love, love for God. He's saying like, if you give me just love, I will give you everything, the knowledge, the answers. I will guide you and bring you back to me. Yeah, right. bhakti means love and yoga means to connect to something higher, to connect to Krishna. Right? So it's like love so, in union. Yes, connecting to Krishna or God in the mood of love. And we had brought about this concept of chanting, kind of like being able to chant his names, God's name, so you can yes. build his presence in your heart like whether, a relationship. Yeah, whether it's in an individual way, like by doing a rosary-like kind right, of chanting. like mantra beads. Exactly, or doing it congregationally with a bunch of people and singing, kind of like you do hymns at a church. Right, And right. so he's saying, by doing this process, you're going to help uh, yourself get closer to me, right? And And one of the things that we have to figure out is how to not be um, attached to the results of our actions. Yes. And so remember, we're taking this a step back. We're on a battlefield. Krishna and Arjuna are on a battlefield. And so he says to her, Krishna says to Arjuna, don't be attached to the results of your actions. Mm. What does that mean? Basically that whether it's good or bad results, we theoretically should be detached and you just do your duty. You do your best. Don't be entitled. Don't Don't be be entitled to what happens Past you doing your work. And a step further is also this concept of gratitude. So it's not, I'm the doer. I'm so great. Me, me, me. It's like when we're doing our our duty, we also give thanks to everything that came before us, everything God gave us, Krishna gave us in this moment to be able to execute our duties. So the, another thing that we talked about was in the Vedas, right? The Vedas have a lot of information. So the, right. the there's uh, how to worship demigods and what they can give you, right? right they like they can give you wealth. They can give you opulence. They can remove your obstacles. These things that are not the ultimate goal, right? So we should focus on this Krishna consciousness and the steps for that Krishna consciousness will come very soon. Yes, they will. Beautiful. Okay. All right. The invocation, ladies. Om Jnana Timirandasya Jnana Shalakaya Shakshurum Militam Yena Tasmai Shri Gurave Namaha Translation, I was born in the darkest ignorance and my spiritual master opened my eyes with a torch of knowledge. I offer my respectful obeisances unto him. 
Now that we've read the translation and sang uh, the invocation, I'm like, wow, we've talked about spiritual master. Yes. Right. I actually giving thought gratitude, same. Giving gratitude to our spiritual master for guiding us. It's such an important part of this process. And that's why we do it at the beginning of every episode. Right. And really visualize the translation that Shama's reading. Like we're in a world of darkness. How to know? It's like a labyrinth. What path do we take? Where do we go? It's what confusing. is the point? World, the world is confusing. The world and it is can confusing. get very, very, very daunting at times. Right. So when you come into contact with this knowledge that through having a spiritual master or a guide or a guru or, or a, a teacher or a mentor. mentor. Exactly. It's literally like they come with a torch of light and are guiding the way. So let's add to like when you keep your head down, doing your duty, following the path in front, you have this torch that's guiding you on the path. I love that. Sweet. That's a beautiful imagery. I like that. Mm. All so right. Text 51. 51. I'll take this away. By thus engaging in devotional service to the Lord, great sages or devotees free themselves from the results of work in the material world. In this way, they become free from the cycle of birth and death and attain the state beyond all miseries by going back to Godhead. Beautiful. I feel this is a little recap of what we've been talking about, right? This isn't necessarily new information, but it's again, just saying we want to get out of that elevator because as we established last episode and some before, when you do good deeds that are not spiritual, you get good karma. And what is that going to do? I'm going to either burn it off in this life or have to come back for another life and to burn off my good of it. karma. Yeah. Yeah. And it sounds great. Oh, why wouldn't I want the good life? But think of a modern day celebrity, as we had said, who's maybe not so spiritual. They're reaping their good karma, but they're still miserable. They still have to deal with birth, death, old age, disease. And then, you know, bad karma. Well, we don't want bad karma quite obviously, but yeah. it's even good karma we don't want. Get beyond that. Right. So I think that it, this is kind of reminding us again that this material world is a miserable place that there's a lot of suffering it all sucks and there's danger <laughs> at every step yes. right so if there's right. danger at every step this process of doing devotional service right <laughs> of engaging in ways in which god is in the center help us not be uh, get trapped in these dangers of the right. material world. It right? kind of reminded me of the Wizard of Oz and the Yellow Brick Road. Follow That's the, the Yellow Brick Road. There's, and then they say, <laughs> lions and tigers and bears. Oh my! Yes. As they're going down the path, it's danger at every step. So that's the metaphor yeah. of life. Literally, there's dangers all the time. And and so furthermore, we sometimes, uh, a lot of people don't know the material world is full of misery, right? Because we think like, well, death will come at some point and I just have to do my work right now. So it says, out of ignorance... Persons try to adjust to the situation by furtive activities, thinking that the results of their actions will make them happy. So we're living our everyday lives. We're not aware of Krishna consciousness. We're thinking, well, this is what I have to do. I have to go to work every day and working will make me happy, right? <laughs> right. And you if know. it's not working that will make me happy, maybe it's a hobby that will make me happy. And when I finally get that promotion or that beautiful young happy. wife, that will make me happy. Exactly. And all these things ultimately are not happiness. And so we're saying like, this is kind of where we all start. And with right. Krishna consciousness, we can avoid thinking that these things are the source of happiness and therefore being actually let down by these ideas that these are, you know, the ultimate. Right. Goal. There's a line that says they do not know that no kind of material body anywhere within the universe can give life without misery. Oh, yes. You know, I'll give a little personal example, like in ice skating, and I'm sure maybe many sports, you think, wow, if I finally get that 
Olympic gold medal gold or medal. that comp- competition medal, I'll be happy. But if you're thinking that's going to be the key, you get that medal and it's a very empty experience because then you go out, you go back home and life continues and you think, wow, was was that it? It's was, great for a good 10 minutes. You it's know? great for a little bit. And then <laughs> you're going to want something else and then want something else. And right, it's just the right. nature of human. Humans. Yeah. So it, it says like, if you engage your, uh, yourself in loving in the loving service of the Lord, then you become qualified to enter into the Baikunta planet where there is neither material, miserable life, nor the influence of time and death. I'm going to do the Scooby-Doo. Because I have no (laughs) idea. What do you mean by Vaikunta? Vaikunta is the name of this planet that you can think of as heaven. Ah, okay, got it. So in this planet, there is neither material, nor miserable life, nor time nor death so when we say the spiritual world that's that in the vaikuntha planet yeah that's no. the place is that we're if we're talking about circle of life and death and then there's liberation is that the destination yes. you go to after liberation okay yes that's, that's where right. we want to be that's, that's like saying heaven be. where the angels reside we want to get there we want to be and the, and the reason for it is because there's no time there's no death here we have a predetermined amount of time right whether right. it's 100 years or 80 or 70 or whatever it might be there's a predetermined amount of time in which we have to create actions, karma, good or bad. And then it continues over and over again until we figure that out. But there, once you achieve the full understanding of life's purposes and you get to Vaikuntha, you just get to enjoy with God. Right, because the top line of the purport says, the liberated living entities belong to that place, mm. that realm where there are no material miseries. We don't... We're that sounds e- like a pretty good place. That, that no. sounds pretty awesome to me. <laughs> and if you think about it, we're an eternal spirit soul comprised of the, how they say, sat chit ananda. What is it? Eternal um, bliss, knowledge, and... Wow, I'm blanking on the third one that I've heard so many times. What is it? Eternality? <laughs> yes, it's true. It's like forever eternal, forever blissful, and forever full of knowledge. No, exactly, exactly. I, I, I meshed eternal and knowledge, but that's the third component. Right, so it's basically we're this eternal blissful being, this soul stuck in a material body that has a beginning, a middle, and an end. And it's de- a decomposing sack of bones, literally. I mean, you can dress it up with beautiful clothes and makeup and make it nice, but the body is not what we are. So we want to go to a realm that's more compatible with our true nature. Because, and it's more fun and because yeah. Krishna lives there oh, so it's kind yeah. of like a Chuck E. Cheese where Krishna is <laughs> sure exactly I mean, and for some that don't like Chuck E. Cheese it's better than that because Chuck E. Cheese sounds like a, a Chuck haunted Cheese with, house I said Chuck E. Cheese with Krishna you know uh, listen it's more Chama. like it depends on the person like you can say Ikea with Krishna for some oh some people are really into Ikea or you could say like a mountain with Krishna so whatever it oh, is for Shamali, you that's so sweet <laughs> the just hills like, are alive with- just like consumerism is bad <laughs> some mountains yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I think the 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 idea of time, death, and suffering, and all of this is something that escapes us because we, we deal with it one day at a time. But it's such a miserable thing. Like I think at the time I hit what age, like 26, 27, I immediately started like feeling back pain and this oh, and that. Yeah. And you're like, how is this life now? Yeah. And that's right. 27, you yeah. know? I, I mean, what does 60 look like? Oh man, mm-hmm. I can so imagine. So part of it is we got to take care of our bodies. I'm not, <laughs> but uh, just the reality of disease and death is really not fun. Yeah, it's and, not it, and it's not far away, right? Because literally like, 
five years ago, I could like sleep, get very little sleep and then wake up with full of energy and no back pain. Right. And Mm. now I'm like, I can't even think about doing that. Like for those of (laughs) listeners that are younger, it might be hard to wrap your head around this, but like my parents always told me (laughs) life goes faster and faster as you get older. And it's so true. Right. Yeah. Actually, I remember being younger and having older friends and they were like, oh yeah, as soon as you hit 26, 27, you're going to start feeling it. And I was like, what are you talking about? I feel fantastic. I know. I, I feel could great. not right. relate at all. And then as soon as it happened, I said, wow. Makes sense. Yeah. The knowledge that older people have. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. It's true. It'll yeah. happen to you. If you're a younger listener, it'll happen to you. Just was, give it some time. I was driving home the other day and there was a sign on Lincoln Boulevard that said, uh, no, something about like no wise man ever wished to be younger. And it's kind of like the concept of youth is wasted on the young because um, when you get older, you gain all this knowledge. You're doubly young. You I mean, are. I was dumb. Yeah, <laughs> I get it. And hopefully you'll gain this knowledge when you're older that will help you live a more free life. Right. But yeah. then you're older and then you can enjoy it. So it's just the duality of this world. Yeah, yeah which is why we got to take advantage at whatever age yeah. we're at to learn as much as we can to share the knowledge and to keep growing. Thanks for right. listening to our podcast, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> if you if you don't have back pain yet, thank you so much for taking the steps. <laughs> you know, there's one line at the bottom to know one's constitutional position, kind of meaning like your eternal relationship with Krishna means to know the sublime position of the Lord. And one who thinks that the living entity or us, our position and the Lord's position are on the same level is understood to be in darkness because we ourselves might think I'm the Lord, like that top CEO, I'm a big shot. And thus he paves his way for repeated birth and death. So we kind of in life, it's so natural that, yeah, in this consumerist society that we would like to build ourselves up to be just the center of the world. But mm-hmm. it's that mentality of like, okay, maybe with a little humility, I don't have all the answers and maybe there's something bigger than me. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, we all want to be in that position of like our own bosses. Right. And like be in control. We're in charge. And we're in charge and we can make all the decisions and we know what's best. And that's just not true. Right. So text 52, when your intelligence has passed out of the dense forest of illusion, you Delusion. shall- Oh, sorry. Okay, let me try again. You know where my mind went when I said the forest? I thought lions and tigers and bears, oh my, and I forgot to read English. Okay, (laughs) rewind. When your intelligence has passed out of the dense forest of delusion, you shall become indifferent to all that has been heard and all that is to be heard. Oh, I love this. I love this verse because it's basically saying that once you figure out the point of life, right? Like bhakti yoga, developing a relationship with Krishna. Once you figure out the name of the game, okay? Once you figure it all out, nothing else matters. You shall Mm. become indifferent to all that has been heard and all that is to be heard. Basically saying nothing else really, really matters because you're figuring out the most Mm. important thing in life. Can you guys relate to getting older and caring less about what other people think or perceive? I think this is kind of that level, right? So it's like you gain knowledge and you're like, oh, well, if someone has this particular opinion, it's just not that big (laughs) of a deal. But when you're 16 years old, you want to fight everyone. Oh my God. Fight me, come at me. And if like someone said, like Sally said that you don't look good in that dress, it just ruins you. You know what I mean? It's like, oh my God, it's like the world, the the weight of the world comes crashing down because you care so much about what other people think or what society thinks. Exactly. So when we come out of the delusion and we really understand Oh my gosh, let me try that again. <laughs> when our intelligence actually comes out of delusion, then we fully understand that not everything that is said or heard is really important. Yeah. Right, right. And, and we're, yeah. 
I like this verse. Yeah. We really do. It's good. Anything else, guys? Bum, ba, da, dum, bum. You Just, know, I had a thought, it went away, it'll come to me. Such is the mind, forgetful, right? They say the living entity's mind, so forgetful, I don't know. Anyway. It, it, if it comes back. Yeah, from, yeah, yeah. Oh, I have one. From the, from the purport on the next page, it says, the Vedic rites, so like Vedic rituals, are imperative for neophytes. Now, neophytes means beginners, just someone who's learning at the very beginning stage of learning. Comprehending all kinds of prayers three times a day, taking a bath early in the morning, Offering respect to our forefathers. Like they're saying like these things are super important when you're beginning your practices. So praying three times a day, taking a bath early in the morning and respecting our forefathers. These are things that are important in our practice of Krishna consciousness. But. But. If. When one is fully in Krishna consciousness and is engaged in his transcendental loving service, one becomes indifferent to all these regulative principles because he has already attained perfection. Right. So what does that mean? So there's a line, I think, that summarizes what Priya is saying. If one can reach the platform of understanding by service and by love to the Lord, you don't have to do all these different types of penances and yeah. sacrifices because bhakti or love is the point. Yeah, because mm. a lot of in the Vedas, there's a lot of cheat codes to do, like to get certain rewards and whatnot and to do certain things. You have to do, you have to perform certain rituals. Right. So basically this verse is saying that if you figure out bhakti yoga and your goal of life is to develop a relationship with Krishna, you don't have to worry about anything else. Right. Mm. And I remembered what I was going to say. This verse also reminded me of like, right, you pass through the forest and something inside you has shifted. And then you get out on the other side and nothing will look the same to you. And I had a little, I, it reminded me of when we come back from different festivals where, you know, Priya and I, we were at Sadhu Sangha, where it's like this intensive I don't know what, amazing. four day amazing, just Kirtan, Kirtan, which is like the musical meditation where we're chanting God's names, Krishna's names. It's just like you immerse yourself in a world, a little bubble, if you will, of spirituality. And everyone, I kid you not, feels this when you get to the airport and you kind of the bubble pops and you look around and just, ah, it's hard to get back to things and feel them in the same way when you've had that taste of what spiritual bliss is. It's like a spiritual high. And it's like nothing up, else mattered. Right. Nothing yep. else mattered. Now with that feeling, it's so easy to then feel like I want to chase this feeling forever. But then the equation, okay, I got to do my duty. I still have students waiting for me. I got to, got to mesh both of them. I have a question. Mm. Yes. Um, because when I first read that line, I was thinking like, oh yeah, we got to wake up early and yeah, we got to pray three times a day and yeah, we got to respect our forefathers. So are we saying these things are not important? Mm. I think, and Shama, you can chime in, but I think they're saying there's so many other rituals and practices we can do that are important. But if you get to the essence, kind of like the essence mm. of the well, they were saying, the, what is the essence of the Vedas is pure love of Krishna pure love of God. So if you can just chant his name and do certain other things, it's like a direct line that connects you even more directly than all these other things. So it's like if I, it's more like if I wake up in the morning, I'm waking up early in the morning to do service for Krishna. Not yes. just because waking up right. in the morning is like the right thing to do. Right. right because exactly. maybe if anyone's gone to India, there's so many rituals that maybe have nothing to do with pure devotional service yep. of, of Krishna. And while, yeah, you might get some benefits and people like, again, serve demigods and try to get wealth. That's, eh, that's like taking the long route and it doesn't really get you where you're trying to go anyway. Yeah. 
yeah. the indirect route to the wrong destination. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like, have you have you heard of some of those rituals? I, I've heard of one that I'm not very familiar with, so I can't speak too much on it. But it's a the idea that like once you're married, the married wife fasts on a particular day. Karvachot. Yeah. yeah and and I can't believe the, you know that Shama. That's hilarious. Oh, I'm Indian. My I grew up around people doing that all the time, actually. So it's basically like mm. when when you fast for your husband, it guarantees him a longer life. <laughs> Yeah. And I was like, I don't know how that works. So, <laughs> so I feel like that's one of those where it's like really beautiful cultural traditions. But if you understand Krishna consciousness, you know that if you just chant. We bypass those rituals. Exactly. Yes. Good yeah. point. Yeah, yeah just beautiful. bringing some, you know. Text 53, examples. Priya? Text 53. I, I think so, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that was 52. Yes, yes, yes. When your mind is no longer disturbed by the flowery language of the Vedas and when and when it remains fixed in the trance of self-realization, then you will have attained the divine consciousness. It's very I similar to a lot of the verses that we read. Yes. Like, yeah, and I love how they use the word trance because when you do feel that love of God, the love of Krishna becomes like almost like a trance. You're like, wow. When you start feeling a little glimmer of what it possibly could be and you know that other elevated souls like the swamis or like the gurus, they're probably feeling you even in an even more intense way. You want it. You want that feeling. Here they use the word samadhi again in the purport. They say, to say that one is in samadhi is to say that one has fully realized Krishna consciousness. So in order to feel that feeling, you need to first steady your mind. And the mind, you cannot steady it because it flows like the wind. So you need to, through through devotional service, through knowledge. Yeah. Oh, oh sorry. Um, there's there's <laughs> one, like when I read the Gita, like like years and years ago, um, there was a word that was like kind of rubbed me the wrong way a little bit. Mm. Um, and I didn't understand it until years later. So there's a purport that says the highest perfection of self-realization is to understand that one is eternally the servitor of mm. Krishna. Right. Servitor means essentially servant, right? Mm. And I mean, I guess I didn't get it because I was young and I didn't really understand. But servant rubs me as like, like, oh, I'm a servant of somebody. I don't want to be somebody's servant, right? Right. Mm. And I think we had mentioned in other episodes that if you think you're not serv- being a servant to anything, you're crazy because we're servants we of everybody. our senses Literally also. Every, and not just our senses, but everyone. You, you're either serving yourself in the terms of the senses, but you're serving your partners, your family members, your parents, Brother, sister, sisters, your boss, your, boss, your yeah. co-workers. You're right. serving like so many people. So why not serve the greatest person Right. Right. <laughs> yes. Ever. It's external and internal. It's right. Priya, we're serving so many things on the outside, but internally also we're being so just pushed left and right. Like whenever someone feels anger or rage or whatever it is that you don't want to feel, you're not in control in that moment. That is controlling you. Just think for a moment, viewers, or I mean, ah, ah, listeners, <laughs> wrong senses. <laughs> Think of a time you have felt rage, or maybe if it's not rage, total lamentation. You can't really control that. It is your senses controlling you. You're a servant of your senses. So Mm. if you serve Krishna, didn't they use one of the names of Krishna was controller of the senses? He will give you clarity on your senses. Yeah, so I think here the text is saying that, again, the Vedas have flowery language of promises of things that you can achieve, mm. kind of like that uh, ritual False that we just talked promises. about. You can you can protect your husband, and give him a longer life, give him a longer life. Like these flowery things that a wife might really want to do for her husband, but the reality of it is understanding. We want to be doing Krishna consciousness as our 
you know, as our main right. devotional service. Yes. Yep. Yeah, it's a beautiful line here that says, in Krishna consciousness, one comes directly into communion with Krishna. And then all his directions and guidances, which kind of come subtly like hints in our life, then they can finally be understood in this transcendental state. Transcendental meaning it just goes beyond this material realm. And then one can achieve the results attained by this knowledge that's right. All right. <laughs> Text 54. Text 54. Arjuna said, O Krishna, what are the symptoms of one whose consciousness is thus merged in transcendence? How does he speak and what is his language? How does he sit and how does he walk? Okay, oh, for, okay. okay. This Arjuna is, is speaking oh, okay. Okay. Oh, so oh, I'm excited. so excited. I'm so excited. Because for the longest time, Krishna was just like, here's my argument. Here's my argument. Here's my argument. Here's my argument. And then this is the first time after a, a long string of verses where Arjuna pipes up and he's I started talking. Is he's Arjuna's paying attention, right? He's not right. on Candy Crush on his phone. He's like actually <laughs> listening to Krishna. And then he's asking this big Right, because remember, they're in the middle of the two battlefield or in the, in the battlefield of the two sides, the good, the bad. They're on a chariot and Arjuna has been listening listening, listening. And now, yeah, he's chiming he's in. He's like, okay, so you're describing this person who's in transcendence, mm. but like, what does this person need to do? What does he talk like? What does he sit like? How does he, how does he go about his business? Like, who are you describing? Like, what do I need to become like? Yeah. How does he behave so that I can kind of figure out if I can do that? Too? Yeah, exactly. Right. And they're kind of saying in the purport, everyone, everyone in this world, there's symptoms that kind of give you a hint or an insight on who are they? How are they? You know, the learned man has specific symptoms. The diseased man shows different symptoms. So similarly, a transcendentally conscious person who is engaged specifically with Krishna and in that loving service shows different ways of maneuvering and acting in his life. Yeah, he's asking Krishna, how do I walk? How do I talk? What do you want me to do? What does the person look like? Yeah, Prabhupada's also here saying, he's actually kind of answering the question before we even get to Krishna saying it himself, is that uh, we can know these specific symptoms of this type of person. And the most important one is how the man, how that man speaks. Right, right. Because they say speech is the most important quality of a man. And this next line cracked me up. It is said that a fool is undiscovered as long as he does not speak. And clearly a well-dressed fool cannot be identified unless he speaks. But it's kind of like as soon as they open their mouth, they're totally, they out themselves. They're revealed. We've all met people. We've all been there, right? You might go on a date with someone, and the second they start speaking, illusion cracked. They're like, like, "Oh my god, get me out of this date! This guy's a dummy." You know what? When I was when I was younger, I I had a group of friends, and I really wanted to belong, and I really wanted to be a part of it, and I was like so talkative because I just wanted to be a part of it, and I remember like talking and talking and just, I guess I was overly talking and then they would not take me really seriously. Right. Interesting. And then I kind of went inwardly cause that's kind of my personality. And I was like, okay, how do I fix this? Because I want to be a part of this and I want to make it to where, when I speak, something is important enough for them to grasp their attention. So I learned to actually speak less so that when I did speak, those mm. things were valued so much more. And I actually saw the results of that. But another part of the reason why I start speaking as much is because I actually heard this phrase before that you can identify a fool by the the moment he speaks. Oh, wow. And I thought, huh, not everything <laughs> I have to say is wonderful. And 
if I speak more, they'll realize I'm actually kind of an idiot and I should just maybe just take only the gems and then they'll perceive me as this like intelligent person. So uh, I'm just going to not speak as much. And so I remember this verse from there and I'm Krishna saying it's, you know, one of the most important qualities. The Gita so. can help you make friends as well. <laughs> That's why I wish more people learned that lesson in their life. Honestly, could you imagine? I can think of like 10 people that I want to read this And then this from verse trying to. to speak little to now speaking on a talk show, right? <laughs> but oh my God. Uh, listen, you, I think you guys can tell that I'm the least talkative. Yeah, no. me and Tommy are pretty loud. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, excuse me, may I? Or <laughs> like, uh, in your face. No, but I do love this verse. Anything else, guys, before we move on to 55? No, no, Great verse. All right. The Supreme Personality of Godhead said, O Partha, when a man gives up all varieties of desire for sense gratification, which arise from mental concoction, and when his mind, thus purified, finds satisfaction in the self alone, then he is said to be in pure transcendental consciousness. So uh, this is a summarizing, a, a summarizing a lot of what we talked about in be, before, right? It's like giving up right. all desires for the results. The sense gratification is like the results of their actions, right? Right. And they're kind of, yeah, exactly. And they're kind of saying that if you just focus on dedicating yourself to Krishna, everything will follow. All good qualities will follow, just like those of great sages who maybe do all these austerities and penances. All you have to do is give love to Krishna. Everything else follows. Yeah, there's there's this combination of words in the purport that says giving up petty materialism, right? right. Once you give up petty materialism you and you and you understand your position of naturally serving Krishna or serving God, <laughs> then, then you figure it all right. out. Right, and I love this line, one has to give up all kinds of sense desire manufactured by mental concoction. Now, yes. how I was just about to bring that up. Mental concoction is such a fascinating yeah. thing, right. right? Like we're creating problems in our minds that mm-hmm. therefore need to be satisfied by our senses. Yes. Right. That then entrapped us. Ooh, that's a certain, yeah, that there's so many types of mental concoction because that's definitely one. We overcomplicate things. And then I thought of another of how easy is it when someone doesn't really know what is going on in this world, you know, it's so easy to start guessing. I think this happens or yeah. I think that creating I do that all the time. What oh I think God. yesterday is different than today and maybe the soul doesn't even exist maybe i go to you know whatever it's i don't hard. know we concoct yeah. all kinds of things it becomes a cocktail of whatever and it's a whole bunch of speculation right. and speculation can drive us crazy and we can we can start <laughs> thinking about one thing and then our mind is so fast and it drives us to five different problems that didn't even exist before right yeah. right so it says here any person who is fully in krishna consciousness or devotional service of the lord has all the good qualities of great sages. So right. by by doing this process of Krishna consciousness, you are going to be acquiring good qualities as you go further and further. Right. And it kind of says, if we try to artificially stop our desires, that's impossible. Like don't have we any can't. desires, no way. But if you kind of channel them and dovetail it to Krishna consciousness, to being aware of that reality, then it, it just kind of, it shifts automatically. Dovetail is a word that is very much used in the Bhagavad Gita and uh, it's not very much used in the regular world. So Shamali, how would you explain uh, dovetail? Okay. Hmm. Putting me on the hot seat. Let's see. The way I see it is like, is like, I'm going to try to shift and all this emotion that I have channel it in a different direction. So it doesn't mean cancel it. Dovetailing means just, it's like almost Guiding like a picture it. of a river and it's going one direction, but I'm going to put a dam and zoom, channel the river into another direction. I'm dovetailing. Yeah. I, I imagine like an arrow. 
Mm. Right. So it's like you, the arrow is full of all the things you want to do. And then just guiding that arrow towards Krishna. Right. Right. So not stopping it, but reshifting, directing it, redirecting. There we go. Say you have a talent of teaching, right? You can dovetail that talent in the service so you can guide it towards a certain direction. I love that because that connects what we talked about in the last episode about, yeah, you just have to spiritualize the activities in your life. Like I said about the children who like those who are spiritual, like in my research, they're all doing the same going to work, going to their piano classes, gymnastics, whatever. But those who are spiritual have a certain shift of their focus. So you can spiritualize anything. That's true. All right. Anything else before 56? Text 56. All right, Shamali. All righty. One who is not disturbed in mind, even amidst the threefold miseries or elated when there is happiness and who is free from attachment, fear and anger is called a sage of steady mind. All right. All right. What are the threefold mysteries? Did we talk about them at some other point? I feel like that rings a bell. I don't know. Maybe not. The threefold miseries. All right. The three types of miseries, and, and feel free to jump in, mm-hmm. but this is the mis- miseries that are conco- concocted by our own mind. Right. Miseries of people around us. Is it? Is it death? Oh, <laughs> is it? Those, it's just that there's so many miseries. Which are the three? I thought it was like miseries, miseries from our environment. So things like tornadoes and national, like natural disasters. Our own. Yes, it's like I hear it is. I got it. I got it. I, I was on it. I was <laughs> doing you, it right. Go, go so the, it. the first one is miseries that are from our own self, right? right. The so miseries what would be that an example own, of that? like our own um, mind when it is anxious, right? We've created all these different products. Right. Yeah. And then the second one is miseries that are created by people around us. Like your mother-in-law is giving you a hard time or whatnot. <laughs> you know what I mean? So that's other people. And the third one is by the nature of the, our environment, right? So things like tornadoes, uh, things like things that we can't control that are in our environment. Okay. So they're right. saying if you're not disturbed by any of these things or too happy about them and you're working on not being attached to things and you're not constantly <laughs> fearful or angry, then you have a steady mind. So you know That's what's a, a good test? Yeah. Someone might think, ah, psh, I don't need to hear this Gita stuff. I am a self-realized soul. Okay, if you get angry at any point in your life, you still have some work to do. Oh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> if you are sad when it's a rainy day, or if your mother-in-law comments on the lasagna that you made, <laughs> that you spent four hours slaving over an oven, like, or, or your own self-concocted anxiety, if you can avoid all all of those things, then you're kind of working towards self-realization. Right. Here they say one who has surpassed the stage of mental speculations or kind of those like concoctions of what happens and has come to the conclusion that Lord Krishna is everything. They finally can accept things that come their way as it's meant to be. It's part of the Lord's plan for me and he must know something I don't know. Yeah. Uh, there's another line that it says, uh, when uh, when we give credit to the Lord, he uh, <laughs> uh, when when we are happy, we give credit to the Lord. Right. Uh, and so, like that's the mood we want to be in. But another thing I wanted to say actually was that this is a really cool text because it's kind of like a checklist. Yes. To kind of figure out where you're at in terms of having a steady mind, because actually right. having a steady mind will give you the most amount of peace. Yep that you can possibly achieve. So it's like, okay, well, there's three types of mysteries, self, others, and nature. That's already like a lot to unpack right there. But also I have to try to not to get too attached to the results of my actions, 
not be too fearful and not be too angry. Maybe I can tackle right. one of these in the next 10 years. Yeah. And then, <laughs> yeah. yeah. This is a big like self-development right. checklist. And yeah. you know, the line right above the one you read, Priya, that is about, you know, when he's happy, he gives credit to the Lord. Right above that it says, and he accepts all miseries as the mercy of the Lord. Now let's pause there. And who, when something bad is happening, says, Thank you, God. Thank you, Krishna, for Again, this. It, it's kind of like what we talked about before. It's just not fully understanding whether a mystery is really actually a bad thing for us or for our soul. Right. It could actually have a hidden message that right. we will eventually figure out, right? Right. You know, I want to give a little tidbit because we've already talked about the spiritual master, right? So last week... I had sent a long email to my spiritual master and I really wanted a response. I wanted mm, it so bad. The, the and, yeah. And it was, it was, that's even though that is spiritual, that was still what I wanted. And my dad, again, we had a great talk. We have great kitchen talks. So I went into the kitchen. I, I, someone had sent a little video and then he was giving a little talk in, in London. And I looked at the video and my eyes welled up with tears. And I was like, Mm-mm. He has time to do this and cannot respond. To oh, my your spiritual email, master, my spiritual master. And I ran into the kitchen. I was like, "Papa, I'm sad." And my dad looked at me and he says, "Oh, Shamali, you still have some stuff to understand." And I said, oh, "What? Wow. What are you saying?" And we had a long talk. Basically, the gist of the talk. And I was, I was crying. I was distressed. And he says, you don't understand that while that feeling might be normal in a relationship, right? If your husband, for example, doesn't respond to you and then you 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 see a video on Instagram and he's at a party, of course, you're going to be upset. But he says, this is a spiritual relationship. And you have to understand that Krishna is behind every single moment of this. So if you're still thinking in those terms of what you want, that's not the correct mood. And there was a shift within me and five minutes later, he responded to a different message. I was like, he responded to me. So I'm like definitely on the roller coaster of <laughs> happiness and ups and downs. But for me, it locked in a special feeling. And I felt like almost the response was mercy in that moment because my mood shifted on the inside. And I thought, that's true. It's not what I want, even within this realm of spirituality. It's whatever happens is God's ultimate desire, and Krishna. It, and exactly what you were talking about is like, you had to be free from attachment, right? You right. were attached to an email response. Exactly. You were attached to some form of attention from him, right? right? The moment that you are free from attachment to something, that's when you can truly be at peace. Otherwise, right. you're just going to be anxiety written the whole time. Right. And while for me, I could justify like, but this meant so much. I needed his guidance. It's like, no, no, no. But that's still from the me, 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 what I need platform. Yes. Krishna knows best what you need when. So trusting yes. that is a hard process, Ooh, but you yes. have to trust. Trusting divine timing <laughs> exactly. is one of the hardest things to do in exactly. life. Oh, so hard. We really want to control when something happens to us and it's just not in our hands. Right. So um, another part here from the purple that I really like, it says, but one fixed in Krishna consciousness has neither attachment nor detachment because mm-hmm. his life is dedicated in the service of the Lord. Consequently, he is not at all angry even when his attempts are unsuccessful. Right. right. I just thought that was really beautiful because um, <sighs> we get so sad when we fail at things. Yeah. Or when they yeah. don't respond and we feel ignored, right? Yeah. There's so many forms, right? Yeah. But I also thought it was really, really cool uh, because it says he's not attached to, or he he is neither attached nor detached, right? And it kind of goes back, I don't know if this is just my brain and how it's thinking, but it goes back to the idea of like sadness like you can still have emotions for the loss of someone, but you don't have to right. be so 
like caught Dwelling up in, in exactly yeah. right so it's like not like you're detached from everything oh i don't care about anything else you're anymore. not apathetic yeah. you're not apathetic and i think that that's what the verse maybe kind of also is bringing up to the forefront that's a big one for the service of the lord he's always daring and active and it's not influenced by attachment or aversion meaning if this doesn't play out how i want i have such fixed faith that this is part of Krishna's plan for me that it's not going to deviate me. You Stepping know, that same, exactly. And in that same kitchen talk, my dad told me like his spiritual master years ago used to be very heavy with him. And at one point, many of the, his followers or his disciples had a difficult time with this. But my dad said, there's a big shift when you could see that this was for something. This wasn't happening for nothing. And he's like, it took me five years of our relationship for me to get over my ego and to feel, why is why is this person treating me this way? I don't deserve this, but it's yeah. for something. And my dad said, the second I accepted that, I felt that was the start of a whole new phase of our connection that went so deeply internal. So it's difficult to wrap your head around even something seemingly negative Mm, good, yeah. bad, who's to say? I actually met some of the disciples of your guru's dad. And I have to say, they're some of the most dedicated people. They're very consistent. They yeah. really follow Krishna consciousness with like a lot of devotion. And Aww. I think it, it part, it, it's because of their spiritual master and how he imparted the knowledge. And right? he was so. heavy in some moments, but heavy to the point where maybe if you're, if you're, they talked about your <laughs> faith being unshaking. Heavy. Oh, 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 heavy not as in weight. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, heavy, give no, some context. I know what you mean. Heavy, strict, strict. heavy, like, strict. <laughs> but strict is almost an understatement. He was yeah. very particular and precise, but to the point where it almost like was like, whoa, okay, calm and down. And like I said, it made for really like very like knowledgeable, very aware, very conscious uh devotees right so i feel like higher level devotees yeah Yeah, and you know he actually passed away early in his life in a car accident and there they all of his disciples had to really internalize whoa the relationship with your spiritual master is eternal and the minute you can try to follow every action in your life trying to follow their instructions you feel that relationship deepen and grow in an even deeper more real way. So I don't know, I felt grateful to have that guidance because as I'm trying to establish my relationship with my spiritual master, it's so deep and so mysterious and intricate. So yeah, yeah. many, many lessons to learn about true surrender and what it means. Yeah. And then here we have a checklist, which I think it's really cool. I, I personally have not read the Bible and I have not read other scriptures like this, but, uh, but I think Anytime someone gives me a checklist, I'm like, okay, yes, I can, I can start kind of working through this process, right? I can start the trying not teacher. to be so fearful. I can start trying not to be so angry. I can start trying right. not to be disturbed by my own mind, by others, by nature, right? So like, this is really cool for someone who's like, okay, cool. You're telling me a story. Cool. You're telling me I'm the soul, not the body. But what do I do with that? Right? Yeah. So this so is kind of the beginning. For our right. listeners, that's chapter two, text 56. So within this next week to the next episode, the next time someone or something happens that ruffles your feathers, take a deep breath and think... What am I meant to take from this? What am I missing from the checklist? How can I not react and put a little space between reacting? All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. We're going to continue with text number 57 in our next episode. The checklist will continue. All right. Have a good one, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. Bye. 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 Hello, 
beautiful souls. If you like what you're hearing, please follow us on Instagram at Modern Yogi Podcast. And if you love what you're hearing, please make sure to share a link to our podcast at Modern Yogi Podcast with all your friends, families, and long lost cousins. And if you have any questions at all, send us a DM on Instagram at Modern Yogi Podcast and we'll be sure to get back to you. Thank you for listening to The, the Modern, Modern Yogi. Yogi.